welcome to episode five of the Rosen podcast. I'm Chloe, your host, and this week on the podcast, we've got two interviews for you. We've got Simon Rao, who's a meteorologist, coming up, and that really does no justice to what he does at all, uh, and David Hall from Wild Roseland. If this is the first episode you're listening to, you can find and listen to the podcast at rosenpodcast.com, on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and on all the other podcast apps too. So please do take a moment to subscribe to us so you don't miss any episodes. At rosenpodcast.com, you will also find links to any resources that get mentioned in the show. On the 8th of May, it's going to be the 75th anniversary of VE Day. So, Lindsay, my podcast partner in crime, and I thought we would try to create an episode all about VE Day. So, do you have memories of VE Day, stories to tell relating to VE Day? We are open to ideas. Um, so, please do get in contact with us via rosenpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, interview time. There are many of us who work for ourselves and do some rather interesting jobs from the Roseland. Things you just wouldn't know were going on here if you didn't know they were going on. So it's great to be able to shine a light on all sides of the Roseland life with this podcast. And my first guest today falls firmly into the doing something really interesting from a shed on the Roseland category. Hello, Simon. Hello, Chloe. How are you doing? Very well, thanks. How about you? I'm I'm all right. Um, it's nice to get to talk to someone who who's who like me gets to work from a small space on the road and doing something cool. So, uh, so what? Tell us all what what is it you're you're doing? What is it you you do for people from from your from your lovely office? <laughs> from my little shed at the bottom of the garden, I suggest. Um, uh, I do dodgy weather forecasts for sailing or water related um, activities. My my um, my main job is I'm the, the meteorologist for the British sailing team. Um, cool. uh, and did have a did have a summer basically planned out in Japan with the uh, with the Olympics out there, but that's been um, uh, for obvious reasons and correct reasons put back a year till next year. Uh, but no, I, I do uh, I send weather forecasts out to uh, all sorts of people, to people rowing across oceans, to television production companies who are filming reality TV shows, uh, to round the world yacht races, um, and to the British sailing team where they, where it, wherever they may be, for example, or over winter. Was um, I was sending forecasts down to New Zealand and Australia for various world championships there. So that's it, really. I do I do dodgy weather from the Roseland. So from the from the super serious like uh, the clip around the world yacht race to the completely frivolous world of reality TV. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah that, that that one's a fun one. Um, the uh, uh, Bear Grylls, uh, the island. They, they, oh, the right. they, they need they need safety forecasts, safety information each day for their boat trips. So, uh, so when they're filming for the last few years, I've been sending weather info out there. Oh, so slightly more serious than RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to work out how they would need a weather forecast. <laughs> you never know what can happen with your addresses blowing in the wrong direction. Well, indeed, oh, indeed. Yeah. All things, all sorts of things could get revealed. Um, and <laughs> so, how on earth did you end up doing that from a shed in St. Just? <laughs> well, um, I started off life as, a, as, a, as an electrical engineer on oil rigs uh, back in a previous millennium and um, had an early midlife crisis when I was uh, uh, in my early 30s and um, did a, one of these zero to hero yachting courses on the Isle of Wight. Um, mm-hmm. got, into, got into sailing and became a yachting instructor and uh, did that for a little while. Then then, then um, managed to get myself into the clip around the world race as a skipper uh, wow. back in 2000 and 2002. Um, 
which was great. And that's when I really started getting into weather because you've got to, if you're sailing around the world, you, you, mm. you need to at least have a vague idea of what's going on with weather. Um, uh, then I, I, I sort of got more off the water into the organization of sailing stuff. Um, again, worked for Clipper as, as their uh, assistant race director, which basically means I was running the day-to-day operation, all the training programs, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Then my last, as I like to say, proper job was as chief instructor on the yachting side for um, the UK Sailing Academy, the biggest sailing school um, in Cowes, uh, I think in the UK, um, possibly. Uh, and then, 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 I, then I had a, I didn't have another midlife crisis, but I had um, <laughs> what I think of as a, as, a, as a, I really, I was getting more and more thinking about weather. And so, so I went back to university back uh, 10 years ago to do a, um, a master's degree at University of Reading um, in in applied meteorology, um, uh, which is great. And um, since then, I've been doing dodgy weather forecasts for sailing events. Wow! So, so meteorology kind of came to you late in life as a passion, I suppose. Well, it, it, it was. I think of it as an extension to my sailing career because um, uh, uh, before I went back to university, uh, I'd been rained on an awful lot in various parts of the world, <laughs> and, and 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 pretty much every single day, you know, sitting in lectures or or whatever, uh, and I go, well, I've "Got a story about that." Will you just shut up? We don't need to know about <laughs> something terrible happening on a boat again. So and I, I know I wouldn't be doing the, the work that I do. I wouldn't have the customers that I do now had I not spent a lot of time being rained on. So um, mm-hmm. so, so I actually think of this as as an extension of my sailing career uh, going on. And I'm doing it at the Roseland. It's great. We, we've got, um, for those of you who haven't, I'm very sorry to say this, but we've got fantastic broadband here. Um, uh, and so I can, I can sit in my, my office and, and get all the data I need. I've got my reference books and everything just next to me. Um, uh, normally, my chief forecaster, Molly the Spaniel, is snoring gently under the desk. Um, so, so I've got everything I need here to to send weather forecasts out to pretty much anywhere in the world, which is um, until recent events is what I've been doing. It is quite amazing, you know, that there are so there's a lot of us hidden away on the Roseland doing things which five years ago, ten years ago wouldn't have been possible almost from anywhere in the world but certainly wouldn't have been possible to do remotely from from Cornwall and from the Roseland but now because of the broadband we're able to live where we want to live and still without having to kind of do something different if that makes you know we we live in a world where we don't have to make compromises we get to do what we want in the place where we want without having to compromise which is kind of mind-blowing in some ways yeah it's, it's, it's very interesting I and mean, we are we are very lucky because the Roseland is a fantastic place to live it's um the we, we I know this is potentially an overused phrase but there is a very good community down here um uh, I, I'm most of the time I'm here I I probably spend about three months a year away actually um on site at various regattas or events doing doing forecasts there for example the around the island race in the Isle of Wight, I've done the, for- the forecasting, the briefings for them on site for the last two, three years. Um, uh, I've been working with the British Sailing Team since before the last Olympics, so as, uh, as I normally spend, uh, I normally go to about half a dozen regattas a year, the larger ones, uh, just to provide on the water or, or on location support for them. Um, but I think, you know, for about three quarters of the time for about nine out of the 12 months i'm i'm i'm, I'm based in st just um and it's great i i i absolutely love it because of the this this the, the, the physically the place is great and um uh, the, the people are people are happy loons a bit like me really 
And you you have to go to these events. Does it make much difference being on the ground to the weather that you report, or is it more about the communications? Oh, no, it's really handy being there. The top tip for weather forecasting, look out the window first. Um, uh, So it's really, for me, um, it makes a real difference to actually be able to be there and see what's going on. Um, uh, and, and to, to give a to give a, a a better indication of what's potentially going to happen during the day, or all, all, all the alternatives of what may or may not happen during the day. Uh, but my job is to. But the great thing about the internet, it allows me to do what I do. But also, you can get a fairly good weather forecast just by looking at the phone fairly easily. So, 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 so the question is, what difference can I can, can I make? Mm-hmm. What I what I try and do to the, with the sailors is to is to let them know, sort of educate them. Not not in a classroom situation, but in a, in a we're expecting this to happen in the day, and so watch out for this and that and the other. Um, so hopefully they can make better and quicker on the water decisions to to um to go faster. Uh, and the, the, the sailors are all obviously the, the when you when you get to that 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 level, the actual physical um, skill of sailing the boat is that they can do it without thinking. So if I can if I can help them make their decisions better and faster, then with information that I've given them. Then, uh, then it helps them go around the race course quicker. So that's 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 what I try and do when I'm on site. So I suppose there's an element of looking at, you know, you could look at Japan where the where the Olympics is due to happen, and would the would the weather report you give to one crew be different to the weather report you give to another crew because of what they need to know about? But which um, I, I kind of mean, like, if if the clipper and the rowers are going across the same ocean at the same time, would you be giving one of them different information to the other because of the nature of the information they needed? Yeah, very much so. Um, I mean, for, for the uh, for the Olympic sailors, um, uh, the, the the forecast actually does look at different physical areas of the race course because if you're if you're sailing next to the cliffs, then the weather's going to be slightly different. If you're sailing in the middle of middle of open water, um, and uh, yeah, if if so, so, so basically, yes, different different vessels, different activities on the same bit of water in the same weather will need different information. So yes, it's it's it's, it's very much tailored to. But basically, I have to I have to try and make a difference. You know, every time I'm doing a forecast, because I I'm quite geeky and I, I I get into the technical side of things quite a lot. Um, well, I try to. Um, but I have to keep I have to keep asking myself, you know, well, this is this is all great, but why do we care? You know, mm-hmm. It's all very well me going off on one on cloud shapes and this and that and the other but uh, but you know why do we care so that's what my clients um i hope use me for to 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 actually help them make more sense of the tons of information that you can get just by looking at your phone yeah it's the the interpretation is the key thing isn't it which i yeah. guess is why if you hadn't been rained on in all kinds of places around the world you you wouldn't be as good at interpreting the data because anyone could look at the data and come up with some conclusions but it's the quality of those conclusions that's 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 the that's the aim of the game. Though. The great thing about being a weather forecaster is, if you get it right, it's a miracle. And most of the time, you're just slightly less wrong than everyone else. <laughs> but it's but the those fractions of of less wrongness is what wins races, isn't it? We hope so. <laughs> yes, <laughs> indeed. Well, look, Simon, it's been really cool chatting with you, and um, I'm I'm vaguely tempted to go and try and work out some weather myself now. So, uh, <laughs> so thank... look out the window. Yes, yeah, uh, sunny. <laughs> <laughs> Simon, thanks so much for being on the show. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you. Pleasure, Thank you very much. 
If you're also doing something interesting like Simon in a shed on the Roseland that that we can talk about on the podcast, mind, uh, then do get in contact. Roselandpodcast at gmail.com as we'd love to hear from you and have a chat with you uh, for the podcast about what it is you get up to in your shed. In our last interview for this episode, uh, we are going to be diving into nature with David Hall from Wild Roseland. Hello, David. How are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm all right. I'm um, I'm excited to to get talking about uh, the wildlife on the Rosen because it's something which we can, even if we can't manage to get out of the house and go for a walk, it's something we can all experience for the moment at the moment. And there's an awful lot going on outside at the moment too. So I'm interested to learn a couple of things myself and uh, and have you help us all find ways to enjoy it. But before we get into kind of like those those kind of top tips for getting involved with nature at the moment. Um, do you want to just tell us a bit about Wild Roseland and how, how and why, I guess, why Wild Roseland exists would be a, a good place to start? I think, it, well, we know, we know it exists because a group of us got together in 2015, actually, a small group of volunteers who were passionate about looking after nature and uh, a concern that while this is a, a wonderful area um, to be in, for its sea, its river, its woodlands, uh, and and its general vistas, that nature on it, like nature everywhere, was under threat. And we thought we ought to try and open people's eyes to the wonders of what they've got here and help them to protect it simply by improving their knowledge of what was here. Oh, cool, yeah, because if, if people know about it, then they, they know what to do about it, don't they? So so you've been going since 2015. I believe it's quite a vibrant community now, isn't it? It's grown quite a lot over those five years. Oh, yes. We, we have an email e-newsletter, uh, which is available on the webpage, uh, roseland.org, um, and that goes out to some 600 people uh, via MailChimp. Uh, we have a, an audience through Roseland Online, um, which is a local community um, online forum, uh, a feature page each month on that with uh, articles and photographs. And we have a Facebook page with photographs that people can send in if they're not sure what they've seen or they've seen something beautiful. Um, and uh, people comment on that and say, well, that's what you really saw. And therefore, <laughs> they're learning that way. And there's a Facebook group page as well, which is stuffed with uh, inter- interesting articles. And do you do, um, obviously, yeah. not at the... Oh, sorry, and also a Paris magazine monthly. So we, we do quite a lot. And um, and at the moment, obviously, you don't do any physical meetups at all, real-world meetups. But, but in the real world, when we get back to normal, do you do those occasionally? Yes, we do. Uh, we have a strategy group, which is virtually the same people who started it. And uh, we have open meetings as well. Uh, with usually with visiting speakers who have a specific knowledge of, of say, mammals and cetaceans in the bay, or butterflies, or moths, or um, uh, that kind of thing, um, trees, birds, and this and these speakers are superb, and seals as well. And we've got some speakers who will help us, all of us, by giving us tips about how to watch and what to watch and, how, and what to see. And in particular, how to photograph things as well. We've had photographers come along and talk to us uh, in these open meetings. Oh, nice. And I'm guessing anyone out there who, you know, the moment this, this lockdown is over, they want to get out and, 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 you know, and get involved with things again. They can find out everything you're up to on those various online resources we mentioned, can't they? Yeah. 
Yeah. Excellent. And um, anyone who's listening who wants to grab, get hold of those, if you go to rosenpodcast.com and click on the show notes link for this very episode, you will find all the links. And I've got a feeling David's probably going to mention a few more resources shortly. So we'll add links to those as well. So nice and easy for you to go and find those. Now, David, one of the things you mentioned was about people putting things on the Facebook group and, oh, sorry, the Facebook page and finding out what they've actually been seeing. Because um, we uh, we here um, at home, we, we, we became bird feeders uh, within the last 12 months. And the amount of time we've spent going, was that a great tit or a cold tit? You got yeah. any idea? It was definitely a great tit. No, it wasn't. It was definitely a cold tit. And the arguments we have over this is somewhat insane. So I have a feeling I will be contributing to your Facebook growing group, mainly along the lines of, can you please end this argument we're having? Because so, right. that's, that's one of the big things about nature, isn't it? It's, there's always something new to learn. There is. That's not the only page where you can find that out, of course. There's, there's all sorts of pages like that for, for birds in particular. Uh, but because but, our photographs, I should have mentioned this, tend to be, because we want to celebrate it, of things that have been seen on the Roseland. Mm-hmm. Now, people see great tits and occasional cold tits and all the rest of it. But generally speaking, it's, it's the Roseland that we're focusing on. So you can see what there is down here. It's not a travel guide. It's not inviting people to come down. Please keep away at the moment, folks. <laughs> Please. Uh, but but that sort of thing. And at the moment, what I've I've just written an article actually. Now I've got to think how on earth I can get it out to everybody on birdsong. Oh uh, right. Because people can listen to birdsong from their homes, and they can think, well, I can hear the birds, but I don't know what the bird is. Um, and it's quite hard to Google to find the answer to a bird song, isn't it? Because you can't say it goes tweet to tweet tweet because you're not going to get the answer back, are you? No, but if you go to Bird Sounds for Free mm-hmm. to the RSPB uh, website and you've seen a bird, there's an actual way of descriptor. They do a descriptor so mm-hmm. that it can knock it down to uh, is it big in the sparrow? What, what colour was it? Did it have long wings and so on? And eventually it'll group it up and you might suddenly see the bird you saw on screen a chaffinch or a robin or something like that, which is easy, mm-hmm. a robin in particular. And then press the button and you'll hear the noise it makes. So that way, you would the noise. if that was the noise you heard outside, it's a robin. So you can kind of do a process of elimination? Yes, you have, yeah. Oh, very nice. And you can't, unless you're experienced, you can't possibly know bird sounds because mm. there are so many. The moment the chief birds singing first thing in the morning are the thrushes. Uh, the song first starts. The robin will sing all night if there's a light on. And both the male and the female robin sing. So you've got a problem there. <laughs> most of them, it's the, it's the males who are doing the singing. Uh, they're a bit, I'll be careful what I say, they're a bit hyped up and ready for females. <laughs> it's that time of year, <laughs> isn't it? It's um, all about sex and food at the moment. <laughs> in, in, the, in, the, in the natural world. Um, and, and but like- that's the way to do it. And like you said, there's an awful lot of, of uh, animal activity on the go at the moment. Is there any particular things we should be looking out for on the Roseland? And um, just so everyone knows, we're recording this on the 9th of April, and I think everyone's going to be hearing it on the 18th of April. So, so anything in this month of April that is particularly worth keeping an eye out for to, to see, which is maybe, you know, maybe something which there's an awful lot of or something which is quite unusual? Problem is you can't get out because the flowers are glorious mm-hmm. and into their own. Um, so it's if you're just looking out, it's looking into the sky for swallows, as I mentioned. But then you've got to know the difference between a swallow, a house martin, and a swift. Swifts aren't here yet. You will hear them, but not that early. So it's swallows and house martins. Um, 
House Martins go in the sky, swallows mm -hmm. twitter like little budgies on the wires. Um, and th those two in particular. And at night, it's listening to the different sorts of owls. The, the hoot of a, bar, of a tawny owl mm -hmm. and a gluic of the female as they pair up and the screech of a barn owl. It is a screech. It's horrible. It is, uh, isn't it? It's, uh, it's one of those ones which if you've never heard it before and you hear it for the first time in the early hours of the morning, it can be quite scary. Right, yes, yes. It was known as the screech owl or the graveyard owl, actually. Oh. Uh, unfortunately. <laughs> I can understand why from the noise it makes. But also, if you're, if you're near water, uh, you may well hear water birds as they take off, like geese, um, for example. We've lots of Canada geese down here. In some ways, we've too many, but that's, that's happening all over Britain. People will know that sound. But they may not listen in the night again to other sounds uh, going overhead, like red wings going back to nest in Scandinavia and things like that. Uh, and that's a slight high-pitched whistle. You can sometimes hear. Or woodpeckers. Woodpeckers make a heck of a, a heck of a din. Great spot of woodpeckers in particular. The green woodpeckers are too busy on the ground picking off ants. They're really helpful. They don't fly up in the trees and make that much. And when they do make a noise, they laugh. They're called yaffle birds, by the way. Oh, the after, green woodpeckers, yaffle birds. After, yeah, after the sound they make. Ah. Um, so it sounds as much as anything if you're stuck at home. I'm looking outside, just watching the trees begin to show their leaves. Um, which is good. And if you're lucky, you might see, because it's so quiet outside, wildlife is starting to enter gardens. It don't, normally doesn't. I've mm. got running around outside me in the garden, and they're not running, they don't run, they're too fat. Um, so I've got, I've got a rabbit in the garden, which I ought to get rid of, really, but I'm not going to. It's they realise they're safe. It's incredible. See, my, and the other thing, Please watch out, especially in St. Moore's and Tregony and Varian, the little villages, watch out for hedgehogs. Hedgehogs are delightful. They're out of hibernation now as it's getting warmer. They're starting to wander, and you may see a hedgehog. If you do, don't put down a saucer of milk. They're, they're, they're lactose intolerant, so put down some water. I put down a bit of dog food or cat food, but make sure you get, pick it up again afterwards. Any that's left will attract rodents otherwise. Excellent. Wow, David, you've given us a huge amount to look out for there. So so that's birds and uh, rabbits and hedgehogs and, and everything. So I, th I think we're all going to be really busy keeping our eyes open and our eyes peeled for things now. So, so something else to focus on. David, thank you so much for being on the show. It's a pleasure. Thank you. You can access all those resources that David mentioned via rosenpodcast.com. Just click on show notes next to episode five and you will find all the links, plus a few other useful sites that David has emailed us about that we didn't get time to mention. So there's lots of great resources there if you're starting to, you know, really get a bit obsessed with what's going on outside the window at the moment. Now, Lindsay and I are always on the hunt for more people to interview. So if you'd like to come on the show and talk about your group, your hobbies, your job, tips you've got for coping with lockdown, we are interested. The first step is to just simply drop us an email to roselandpodcast at gmail.com with your ideas and any questions you've got. And at the moment, we're particularly interested in anything VE Day related. Everything we, we put out is recorded in advance so we can edit it lots. Um, you also don't have to even be willing to come on the show. If you've got a recipe for a great drink, um, a cool uh, leftovers 
recipe or a great tip or something, um, just email it in and we can read it out for you. I hope this podcast is helping you all feel a little less alone and a little bit more aware of how our community is pulling together and kind of the cool things that go on here. If you want to make sure you hear the rest of the shows, then bookmark rosenpodcast.com or look out for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your usual podcast app of choice and just subscribe. Be kind and stay safe.